Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of December 10th, 2023. So my call to action this week is the Aaron Wilkerson Challenge. Have a meeting with a stakeholder and never say the word data. Quadruple points if it's an hour-long meeting. Talk to their pain and business value, not data. Data is just an enabler of how we can deliver value to them. It's not the point. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 276. Making Self-Service Actually Work Safely, an interview with Kate Carruthers. Kate is the head of data at UNSW, a university in Australia. We talked a lot about how they specifically are setting up their organization to eventually head down the data mesh route, but are focusing merely on self-serve first and and kind of getting their data centralized before they can actually federate the, the data. They're getting their maturity in order to be able to go further later, but know the cost benefit of going down the full data mesh route isn't there yet. We also talked about how to anchor everything you do to business needs, and I think that's a really important point to always make. On Friday, we have episode 277, Mesh Momentum versus Value, What to Choose When and Why, Mesh Musings number 57. So I've got some points here, but like the whole idea of this is that a lot of people are trying to maximize value of the work that they're doing with data mesh, you know, kind of all up front or go for these these big home run type of of wins instead of kind of balancing with with uh, momentum. So I think you should look to always maintain at least reasonable momentum. If you can't move forward, if you don't have that momentum, your journey is essentially done. So prioritize momentum over value more often than you probably think you should, especially early in in your journey. Momentum gives you more ammo to win over people that are on the fence. Big wins are the places that will more likely win you previously skeptical people and will earn you more attention. But you need to be careful about what to take on and when because big wins come with big risks. You know, and if you don't deliver on these, these were high profile kind of use cases, that's that's a bad thing for your, uh, you know, for your mesh journey, but it could also be a bad thing for your career, right? And it's okay to play it small while you are learning, but also don't build a platform that can only take on those easy small win use cases. You know, 
relatedly, don't focus too much on the one-off big wins or your platform will probably won't have the right bedrock features for kind of the general use cases of the overall organization. So with that, let's go ahead and head to the extended summary for Kate's episode. Extended summary for episode 276, Making Self-Service Actually Work Well Safely, an interview with Kate Carruthers. In this episode, I interviewed Kate, who's the head of business intelligence at the UNSW AI Institute and chief data and insights officer at UNSW, which is the University of New South Wales in Australia. To be clear, she was only representing her own views on the episode. UNSW is not currently implementing data mesh, but they are preparing to be able to do so. I think this provides some great lessons in building up the capabilities to move forwards towards your goals, but not rush when you're not at a maturity level to start taking on a lot of the aspects of data mesh. So Kate started out with a bit about the catalyst for her current data journey towards data mesh. About 10 years ago, she saw that universities and especially UNSW were going to, quote, undergo a very big digital transformation and that data would underpin it as an organization. So we would need to be on top of our data if we were going to be able to ride that way. She also gave some color on what running a data office at a university entails. At UNSW, it's it's split into three general areas of one, administration, two, learning and teaching, and three, pure research, you know, where professors are going in deep into their specific research areas. There are some major challenges when it comes to providing data capabilities, especially self-service, to the academic research arm of the university, according to Kate. They all have their own ways of working and want, maybe demand, freedom to work the way they want. Yet the data team's job is also to, quote, keep them safe. That safety also has many facets. And the research capabilities of a university can mean some truly world-changing interdisciplinary collaboration. But that only happens if the teams can actually, you know, collaborate. (laughs) When it comes to the non-research area, Kate believes data mesh is an even better fit for UNSW or universities in general. At the end of the day, she said, quote, at the end of the day, data mesh is about controlling the bits that you need to control and giving people the freedom to do what they need to do safely. And there's a lot that, you know, universities are doing that can be really standardized and made easy and, you know, you can control that, that stuff that should be controlled, but you can give people lots of freedom to change lives for students and other people that are the subject of their research. As many guests also have noted, Kate believes when it comes to your organization's data journey, quote, technology is kind of the least of your problems. You know, it's about people and often even getting them to recognize the problem 
with their ways of working and how better data maturity will help alleviate their problems. You know, it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not just the data itself, but their understanding and their relationship to data. Kate and team built a uh, quick cloud warehouse POC a few years back that showed people the ability to onboard new data sources in weeks instead of it taking up to six months. Show them, showing them instead of simply telling them really won people over. They had something they could look at tangibly. They could see the benefit. People could connect moving to the cloud data warehouse to actual business benefits. And her team also anchored it all to business needs. You know, yes, rebuilding their architecture to move to the cloud was going to be work, but it meant speed to new data use cases and easier management for everybody. So that made a lot more people get interested and kind of lean in. When Kate was working to tie her team's work to the overall business strategy, she remained focused on the human relationships and people aspects of doing business. She really recommends building relationships with kind of your customers of your data work because they feel comfortable to come to you with more types of problems and challenges. And sometimes that kind of culture or approach isn't for everyone, and that's okay. If people aren't willing to treat you know, your data users, your data customers, whatever you want to call them, as actual people instead of just requests, they aren't right for her team and maybe they aren't right for yours. When asked about her frequent use of the word safe, Kate talked about keeping people from misusing data or even misusing the trust people provided with that data, you know, such as the students at UNSW, that they gave the organization. Anytime someone wants to share sensitive information like PII, at UNSW, there's a data controller that needs to review the justification. Keeping that human in the loop means there's a real understanding and consideration of, is this okay? On the flip side, though, the team has been proactive in sharing information that someone should have access to, such as a professor being able to know who is in their class and being able to contact them. You can share that sensitive information proactively if there's a really good reason to do so and that they should have access to the data anyway. Kate mentioned that when they implemented the data controller review process, the data producers you know, those controllers, those owners, you can call them, they call the data owners data controllers, but those data owners were much happier. Previously, they really didn't have a say in how their data was used, but now they are listened to. It also strengthened relationships because data consumers had to actually collaborate with producers to get access to their data instead of just kind of copying and pasting from their database. It's creating interesting conversations and people can get more creative around data to achieve their goals with more you know, data safety and they, you know, safety around trust, safety around access and, you know, storing it safely. It's creating a lot more of uh, a community around sharing information internally. And as well, her investment in hiring a bunch of business analysts had, has created some great value leverage points. She really talked about how much she loves business analysts because they can speak both the business and the data side. Going back to keeping people and data safe, Kate talked about their struggles with data puddles, where people are just kind of copying data into lots of areas instead of accessing the data where it is. And 
they also aren't securing that data well, which leads to more challenges and potential issues. But it's still a process to give people all the access they need and make that copying data less attractive. As like many areas, it's a work in progress, and that's fine. Kate sees the attractiveness of moving fast, but people need to focus more on sustained incremental change, that they overestimate the value of the former and underestimate the value of the latter. It's similar to transformation versus a change that will revert. Fast changes are far less likely to stick or even work. And people feel less of the suddenness and fight against it far less, if at all, when it is gradual incremental progress. People can, you know, get more comfortable with it and see that it's actually working instead of making these huge sudden changes. Another point Kate emphasized was that people need a mental map for change. If they don't understand what is changing and why, they will inherently fight back, even if the change is good for them. It's simply human nature to not want change. So take away the fear of change to make it easier for people. Basically, create change with and through people instead of pushing change on them, whether they want it or not. A conversation wrapped up around Gen AI, especially because Kate is involved in the UNSW AI Institute and because Gen AI and education is such an interesting and challenging topic. She's seeing the open source language uh, large language models, you know, the LLMs, improving at such a rapid pace that it's sometimes even multiple times a day. And there's a lot of promise, even if things are early days in Gen AI. I think some people think that they're already here and have arrived in our, 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 uh, these very well-honed tools, but we're still pretty early days. And at UNSW, because they're in education, they are figuring out good ways to leverage Gen AI and education instead of trying to fight against it, like, you know, some math teachers did against calculators. Gen AI is here to stay, so they have to adapt and adopt. And it's not like the students aren't going to have access to Gen AI when they're done. So you just teach them how to learn and you teach them how to leverage these tools well so that they are actually prepared for post, you know, uh, collegiate life but that these tools are an important aspect of, of education and, and intersecting with those is important to kind of stay on top of it and prepare people for the real world. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music.